Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast for a better miracle. A new dawn is upon us, so to speak. You know, we're in a new calendar year. It is the year after we experience a crazy um global um crisis. Um, the world shut down. You know, countries not allow each other to visit due to a um pandemic and due to a strain of a virus, coronavirus. And, um, you know, lots of people lost their jobs, their homes, got stuck in houses and stuck in relationships they don't want to be in, but also stuck in financial situations they don't want to be in. And some house households have been set back educationally by a whole year. Maybe some people have put away the education for a year. Some people have put away, you know, finding a new job, moving to a new place. In fact, um, some started shit that people... More recently, people have moved back home, so they have so people that went out to advance their life and pursue their dreams have have to put that on hold. And there is a social and a societal cost to that, and it will take some time for society to refocus to rebalance. Um, and that's something that under this new leadership, the Biden presidency, we can see how that plays out. But before we before we just get lost into the Biden presidency and say, hey. He's going to do all these things that the other presidency did not do. Or he might have more empathy, which apparently, you know, he does. He shows more empathy than a previous president. However, this podcast is for a better miracle. So let's talk a bit less, you know, we want to look at the ways and the uh, uh, infrastructure that was put together to get us where we are and look at some of the good and the bad, but also look at some things that we can do going forward for America to be better. So it's not called for a perfect America, but they say for a better America. So um, part of something that we should consider as we fully embrace this new Congress and this new year and this new presidency and this new leadership is we should take time to look backwards and look backwards as at how we got Trump and how he was actually effective in the sense that he wanted to do whether or not a higher percentage of the population did not like what he had to do. And I wanted to believe that without the um, pandemic and some of the racial struggles of the calendar year 2020, Trump may very well have survived re-election. And I'm not sure that that would have been best for the country in the sense that I did not see the government, the, the, that office at that time to be one that was focused on how can we get the best healthcare system in the world, how can we build infrastructure, how can we get criminal justice reform, how can we build on top of the racial reconcil- reconciliation and the foundations that were built, how can America truly exist as a place for justice and equity for all and do we ever get there the answer is most likely no but can we continue to work towards that i very well believe that we can and i wasn't too confident that the last presidency would give us that i have more confidence in this presidency but time will tell but more importantly 
we need to talk about how we got the last leadership we had. And I'm under the belief that not all because someone is in a leadership position doesn't necessarily make them a good leader. But with all that being said, how is it possible that a man who has never suffered say financially, like he wasn't born into a poor family, he wasn't driven by poverty or say lack of access or lack of access to a good education or lack of access to good health care or lack of access to um a strong um support in the justice system. So like this is someone that had access to lawyers at a young age. His dad was rich. His dad was a prominent figure in New York and respected. So this was someone that could go to private schools and he did go to private schools. Um, this was someone that could get into wherever he wanted. And this was someone that had a head start in life, so to speak. And I'm not knocking that, but how can someone like that be able to corral a group of people that have felt disenfranchised, felt ignored, and felt left out by the American political class? That's something we have to understand. Like, Trump does not share a lot of the struggles the average American share, and he has not shared those struggles for pretty much all of his life, or for the most of his life, right? And for some reason, the people that want better lives for their family and for themselves saw him as someone that could give them that. And there is a battle, and I'm sure um, others in the public have an answer to this question, and I will let people meddle on that. Did Trump take advantage of these people by preying on their fears and knowing that this was their needs and publicly spoke to that but also in policy did just the bare minimum to make these people feel like he was on their side while he did everything else to make sure that the business class and the political class were protected however the way in which he presented what he was doing did not allow the people that feel like he was fighting for them see that so therefore they're still unequivocally supporting him so they they are all in for trump even after he's left office because they truly believe that he fought for them and to an extent i would say that he did even if it was to a small percent he did he at least tried and he did a good job of communicating that he had done as much as he can. And this struggle here is this for us as a nation to understand and also for the new administration, the Biden administration to understand and also just the, 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 the public, the you could call it the educated class, you know, those who are in you know, the um, education system and faculty and believe that they're better than, you know, the uneducated class and the shit don't stink or whatever, right? Or you could say we have the political class and then they have the people that they are supposed to elect. However, when they get to the office, whether it's in Congress or in state house or in the state legislature, um, but predominantly in Congress, they get to associate themselves with the business class. There is a status quo that goes with that. And for the most part, forget 
Main Street. So it's like you go to Washington, you fall in love with Wall Street, you fall in love with the bigger operating system, you fall in love with what looks like the macro economy or the macro class, and we'll call it capitalism or whatever we want to call it, but you forget that Main Street by cumulation is actually what makes up Wall Street and all of the auto um, classes. So I'm not even sure this is something Trump, the previous president, properly understood. But he was able to speak to a people that felt ignored, that felt just bashed, that felt put down. And yes, by virtue of running on the Republican ticket, he was guaranteed millions of votes. The Republicans that were always a Republican. And as long as he's not, you know, it's not like some scum of the air or whatever, they will vote for him. Like as long as he was was a good speaker, effective in stage, he communicated what he wanted and, you know, some people had confidence in him. So like he was, he was going to get millions of votes for being a Republican. That's guaranteed. He's a Republican nominee for president at that time in 016, right? But he also got what I believe to be the forget the forgetter class, a class of people in the United States that feel like they have been forgotten by their elected officials, by the the um I would call it Wall Street. So Wall Street comes to Main Street, it takes what it can, it absorbs as much as it can. And then when things go south, like the 08 crash, it says you figure it out, we'll be taken care of by the government. Right. And sometimes, um, you know, other Republicans push for business rules and less business regulation, deregulation sometimes and business deregulation sometimes is, has some relationship with killing the working class and killing the working man. So there was an element I feel like of a population that we are both Republicans, both Democrats, libertarians, independents, by the millions that actually voted for Trump because they felt like he was willing to listen to their plight. Now, his track record before presidency does seem to state that he actually does look down on people. He does look down on that class. But while he ran for president, he was able to communicate with that class. And there were people living inside of that Republican ticket that felt like even their own party did not represent them. Because the party was so busy causing up to business deregulation. And yes, business deregulation sometimes is killing the working class. That is a fact. And it would be easy to dismiss the Trump crowd as people that are just being loud. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, they should just shut up. And then there's the you know there's the Republican population, which is just millions of people just living their lives regular, good or people in the suburbs or in the country or in the city. They're just Republicans. It's how they vote. It's what they think. They like some of the ideals, idealism of the Republican Party. So therefore, they're going to vote for Republican anyways. But there was there was a population, I believe, in the millions. And also on the Democratic side, although they would not have voted for Trump, they feel like 
the political class and the infrastructure, whether it's the banks, whether it's the medical system, um, the medical industry, whether it's the educate, education or the educated class, however you want to put it, have forgotten them. Not only have they forgotten them, but they could care less about them in the sense that they're willing to create laws and they're willing to come together with um, businesses um, businesses are going to come together with the political representatives in a way that disenfranchises them. So it's like business goes and says, hey, we want you to give us a patent on this medicine, or we want you to protect us in this manner, but we're going to charge you know, people unlimited amount of money or high amounts for drugs. Like This is a big thing that some in your Democratic side, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, tend to bring attention to. And sometimes I feel like they're trying to speak to an audience, even those group that supported the last president, but those groups are somewhat soon deaf because they're speaking from a different party, which in a way is like working against your own good. But my overarching point is this. There's a class of people in the United States, and we're just going to call them the forgotten class, that, yes, they're getting killed on interest rate. Their wages are not going up. They do not have enough money for their families, although they're working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, sometimes both house, both members of the household are working, and the parents and the children are working. They feel like they're trying, however, they're getting um, basically uprooted from the bottom based on the class structures made. So healthcare costs has become astronomically unbearable for them. Um, daycare costs have become astronomical for them. just day-to-day -day life and they cannot send the kids to school because education costs are becoming you know unaffordable for them and the system that operates so the schools could care less they're not going to stop raising tuition right they're going to keep doing it. they're going to keep preying on people um the banks when things go south they're going to get money from the federal government some of their debts are going to be absorbed by the fed and it's going to be forgiven but the people with mortgages that suffer due to some of the actions of the bank and what I would call the business class or the higher business class um, will be fine because they will get as much government support as needed. But the small businesses and the average person and the average American would be screwed over by the political class, by the business class, by you know the medical industry, by the education system. And I hope that this next presidency, at the very least, can see this and at the very least can at least tackle, even if not all of these problems, bring attention to it, lay out some foundations on how to deal with it, but at least go after one or two of these problems as a domino effect. Because for Democrats, that is how you get the Trump voters, <laughs> right? 
in for Republicans. That is how you get your party back. Um, this is uh, this is not a Christian podcast, but um, you know, I did grow up in a church, and uh, my beliefs are what they are now. Um, but the things when the Bible says, uh, there's food for the poor in every nation or something like that. But it is swept away by injustice. You see, I'm not a tax the rich guy. But I do know that America can end hunger because we have the resources. You know, we have the infrastructure. Um, was this something I read about a couple of years, at least three years ago, where America was making a billionaire every week? So there's an opportunity for people to do well, right? And well, actually, wait. I think it was America was making a billionaire every day or every three days, and then China was making one every week. Don't quote me on that, but it was it was a ridiculous number. It was like every week America had a billionaire, and then it took China twice as long. But those were the two countries that made their produce and billionaires, like just like that. But for some reason, there's a gap between that and a gap between average man working 40, 50, 60 hours a week and by means of deregulation, which the Republicans are the biggest advocate for, right? And by means of not keeping an eye on how trade, but also infrastructure. So if the government is going to deregulate coal, why doesn't it provide a pathway program? Say, you come to this class for 10, 20 hours a week to learn X. So don't take a coal mine and say, come to a coding class, like some of the experiments, you know, try it out and eventually, eventually yeah, I believe. You could do that with your kids. Makes a, makes a lot of sense for where the world is heading. But for the people that are already at this industry for 10, 20, 50, 30 years, you could take them and say, what other skills do they have? Okay, grunt, hard workers, okay? What if we come to this class and teach them all these other skills that would now be in need in their society for the next one, three, five, seven, ten years. And it could be like a, a, a government retraining program. So the class teaches the individual. They also get part-time work somewhere. But also the class could be something that they can get a percentage of income or something like that. That's what I believe is a good use of government resources and a good use of government funds as opposed to funding other programs. So if you took away 50 billion from the defense spending, you could run this program very effectively across the US, right? And you could you could you could specify it to industry, specify it to regions that industry changes will kill. So not just someone trying to quit your job on land, I think that also should be provided. But that should be like second tier to where if you were re regulating an industry out of existence you should provide those training um so things like that would be a way to really help the forgotten class i'll put it but also like healthcare keeps going up and up and up um education keeps going up and up and up um interest rate on predatory loans 
which are backed by banks keep going up and up and up and it looks like when industries fail like in 08 or when they need the government creates a mechanism to help them but when the individual fails the government doesn't do a good job of creating a mechanism to help them I'll pass by another episode with some linked research talking about how the federal, how the, the with the help of the federal government, the Fed was able to absorb some debt from private companies in the 08 financial collapse, but not only absorb this debt, they erased it from the balance sheet. And then we could talk about how much Americans lost their home from about 07 to 09, how many of them lost their jobs and how they recuperated and how that would be where you may have a Trump down the road, although I believe the president before he, before him, Obama did a good job of addressing some of the unemployment issues and really trying to help the system work for everyone. But there were some gaps there, and I hope the next this president does not miss the match on. Or does not miss the mark on helping this forgotten class because really Trump spoke to them. Um, I hope we do well in 2021. I hope the nation comes together. I hope we unite. I hope we look beyond the, in the insurrection and I hope this will pay the pr- price accordingly and I hope we can build towards a better America. Thank you.